You're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White and today I want to answer the question, how long exactly does it take to form a habit? Are you thinking about making change but maybe lacking in motivation, wondering how long is it going to take to form a new habit and when will it become automatic and effortless? I know what it's like. And I guess the thing is that when you have clarity on how long it takes to form a habit and what's involved, it can help you to manage your expectations, to decide if you're ready to start right now, if it's the best time for you to start forming a new habit. And it can help you to know how long you need to hang in there to be successful. So to help you get a sense of this, I'm going to talk about the architecture of habits to find out, well, what type of habit do you want to change? Because that has an impact on the time it takes. And to look at some other factors that affect the time it takes to form a habit, like what kind of person are you? What's your situation? And what's your mindset? And then we'll finish up by saying, well, what does the research have to say? I'm sure you know what it's like. At some point in your life, you've wanted to lose weight or tone up or establish a better sleep routine, but it can be hard to get started if you're not clear on how long it's going to take to form a habit and to decide whether you have enough time or even energy to get started. And if you search the internet for how long does it take to form a habit, you'll find a range of answers. So today I want to share with you the most recent research to answer this question with all of the caveats included so you can make a decision about a habit that you might want to form and whether you're ready, willing and able to do it right now. Let's start by looking at the architecture of habits. And we're going to do this to set the scene. And I've done a deep dive on this in previous episodes. So for now, it's just a recap. A habit is made up of four parts. Firstly, there is a cue or a trigger, which is something that causes the habit to happen in the first place. Then there is a routine or a process you go through. And then there's a reward that you get by going through the process. And the craving for this reward can motivate you to keep coming back and doing it again. An example could be um, something like brushing your teeth. Let's say you wake up in the morning and you have breakfast and the trigger is you've had breakfast and you want to brush your teeth. And the routine or process you go through is brushing your teeth And the reward you get is fresh breath and clean teeth. And that keeps you coming back to do it again, hopefully. That's a really simple habit loop. And really in context of this episode, what this means for you is that if you want to change a bad habit or form a habit, then you need to work with the elements of that habit loop to help you achieve the result you want and to get there faster. So let's look at some examples and how exactly to get started. Start by thinking about, well, what exactly is the type of habit that you want to change? The type and complexity of the habit that you want to change has an impact on how quickly it's going to happen. And I want to give you two examples from my own life so that you can hear the difference. Let's start with a simple habit. Maybe you want to start flossing your teeth once per day. That's pretty simple, right? You can bet that it's going to happen a lot sooner and become automatic more quickly compared to something that's more complex and multifaceted, which I'll talk about later. So let's talk about teeth flossing. A few years ago, a friend of mine told me that he'd started flossing his teeth each night. And this is something that I wanted to do for teeth hygiene reasons, but never quite found the motivation and momentum to be consistent. 
after all, teeth hygiene is a nice idea, but it's this kind of vague, really long-term outcome with no pressing need to do it right now. And truth be told, the reason I found it hard to do is because it's pretty fiddly. It can sometimes be painful. And I'd also told myself that I hated flossing my teeth or couldn't be bothered. I found it a bit yucky. But as soon as my friend mentioned he was doing this, I thought, well, I'm going to have a go at that. I didn't tell him or I didn't tell anyone else. I just decided to do it one day. And I thought, I'm going to make this a competition with myself because I am kind of a competitive person. And I decided I'd do it every night for 12 weeks as an experiment to see whether I could turn flossing my teeth into an automatic and effortless habit in that time. And I really didn't know how long it would take. So let's break down the process. <clears throat> the trigger part of the habit was easy. I would floss before brushing my teeth each night. So that was the trigger. I'd go to brush my teeth, but first I would floss. And that process is called habit stacking, or as I like to call it, piggybacking. In other words, I'm not trying to do the new habit on its own. I'm attaching it to a habit that I already have, which makes it a bit easier. And all I needed to do was remember. So I just put a package of floss next to my toothbrush and voila, I remembered to even think about doing it each night. And I actually got off to a good start. And in those first few weeks, I realized a few things. Firstly, I realized that at the beginning, I had been approaching the habit in the wrong way. What I mean is this, in the first few days, in the first week or two, when I was getting ready to floss, I noticed what I was thinking to myself. I was thinking things like, oh, this is so annoying, or I don't feel like flossing my teeth, or this is really yucky and gross. So obviously, as long as I keep thinking those things to myself, it's unhelpful and it doesn't help me to form the habit. So I realized immediately that I needed to come up with some more neutral or positive thoughts around the behavior of flossing. So I intentionally started to think things like, I did another night, yay, or this is really good for my teeth. So I just changed that initial thought process around the behavior to something that was more neutral or positive instead of that negative talk, which was just going to make me want to avoid the habit. So that worked pretty well. And then I also realized that if I was going to be consistent with flossing my teeth for the long term, I'd have to be really clear on the process and know that I was doing it properly, not just a half-baked attempt. And I'd recently been to see a new dentist and I was kind of amused to see that in my little package at the end of the visit, they gave me a new toothbrush and toothpaste as usual, but also some written instructions on how to brush and floss your teeth, which I thought was kind of hilarious because everyone knows how to do that, right? But they don't really. I didn't realize that there were things to brushing and flossing that I wasn't aware of. So to make the challenge more interesting for myself, I decided to geek it up and dive deep into the technique, trying to bring in some fresh energy and interest to the process. So I learned about flossing on different angles and how long you should do it for and the repetition and all of those sorts of things. And so the way I talked to myself and deep diving into the process helped me to get going in the beginning because there was something a bit new and interesting. And then I started thinking about the reward in earnest rather than just having the sense of achievement. I mean, sure, that's a reward, right? But 
I also started to run my tongue over my teeth and make a smug ah kind of noise. It sounds really funny, doesn't it? But I was really celebrating the clean teeth and how I was maintaining the dentist's good work so that by the time I went back there next time, there wouldn't be so much plaque build up, hopefully. And you know, I was doing all of these things without really thinking about the habit loop too much. But I realize now if I'd have done that focused thinking on the cue and the process and the reward earlier, it might have been easier and faster for me to adopt the habit. But here's what actually happened. A funny thing happened actually 12 or so weeks into the routine, or maybe it was around 11. I'd had a late night and a few drinks and I was getting ready for bed and I was so tired and I thought, oh, I've got to go brush my teeth and floss my teeth. <laughs> but, you know, I realised in that moment that I couldn't go to bed unless I'd floss my teeth. There's no way I could conceive of it. This was a huge win. I had created a new identity for myself as someone who flosses each night. It wasn't something that I had to drag myself to do. It was just part of who I was. And so I could celebrate more than just the fact that it had become automatic and effortless. I also wanted to floss my teeth because I'd create, created an attachment to the rewards of achievement and cleaner teeth. And if you think about it, the old rewards I got from not doing it was getting out of a boring task. That was the reward for not flossing in the past. The trouble was I got that reward, but I also didn't get any benefits. In fact, my teeth health would have declined and my gum health would have declined. Since flossing my teeth, I've had far fewer gum infections, my gums are healthier, and I've had fewer cavities. So go figure. So that was 11 or 12 weeks into that routine of daily flossing, didn't miss a night, and I kind of became addicted to it. And that's a simple habit. Now compare that with something like giving up smoking. Smoking's a bit different because it's something you want to stop doing, and it's something that you might be doing multiple times a day and it might be triggered by multiple different things. So I smoked socially in my late teens and then more in earnest when I was around 21 years old after a stressful series of events. Smoking had become both a coping mechanism for me and a way of fitting in socially and I thought I was all grown up and cool. These were the perceived rewards that I got from smoking. Yes, I know how embarrassing. After about a year or so, I decided it was ridiculous to smoke and I wanted to give up, but it was really hard because it wasn't just one habit loop, it was many habit loops happening in tandem. And I also had that nicotine addiction. So there were various cues for triggers or triggers for smoking. For example, I smoked after breakfast, while driving, after lunch, when I felt stressed while hanging out with certain friends, while drinking alcohol, at a pub or nightclub, which is where I was tending to hang out most of the time at that age. Also at the end of a day as a pleasant wind down ritual on the balcony of my unit. I really enjoyed that. And I also thought it made me look cool in front of boys. Go figure, not the right boys, I can tell you. So coupled with the perceived rewards of coping better and looking cool, yes, I'm groaning about that, I did have that nicotine addiction, so I had chemical drivers as well. 
not just the behavioral ones. So this is obviously a lot more complex than flossing my teeth. So how do you tackle something like that? Do you go cold turkey? Well, I had a lot going on. A friend of mine had just died in a car accident and I wasn't sure about my future and I was finishing up uni and trying to figure out what to do next and broken up a major relationship. There was a lot going on. So I decided just to dismantle the smoking habit one piece at a time. That was going to be easiest for me. And I also had a part-time job in hospitality where everybody smoked. So the first thing I did was I switched from menthol cigarettes, which tasted better, to plain cigarettes. And in fact, I chose the worst tasting cigarettes. So I made the habit more unpleasant. The next thing I did was to substitute those cigarettes to the ones that had the lowest nicotine and tasted bad. So what happens normally when people try and cut down the nicotine is they end up smoking more cigarettes. So to combat that, I started delaying my first cigarette to later and later in the day. So I'd already chosen the most foul tasting ones and then I'd gone to the lowest nicotine version of those. And then I started delaying. So instead of having a first cigarette around nine o'clock in the morning, I'd wait until 10 a.m. and then 11 a.m. and then after lunch. So I was just delaying the first cigarette an hour at a time. And funnily enough, I really didn't like smoking when I first got up. So that kind of made it easier. I just realized that I had a leverage point there. So pretty soon, within about, well, I guess, two months, I suppose, I was smoking later in the day. I was smoking fewer per day. And so I started to buy smaller packets. Originally, I'd been buying packs of 40, can you believe? And then I went down to 25s. And back then, 15s were around. You can't get smoking packages that small these days, I don't think. So I weaned myself right down to 15s, which meant I was only smoking 15 in whatever period of time. I can't even remember now. I also started hanging out with different friends, friends who didn't smoke. This was a decision I made because I realised that if I hung out with certain people and went down that path in my life, then there's going to be a lot more smoking and drinking and things that I wasn't really aligned to as a person. And that was actually a game changer for this habit, not just because it removed the temptation, but it also helped me to frame a healthier identity. I started hanging out with people who placed a higher value on health and physical activity. And things started changing socially as well. Instead of going to nightclubs to drink and smoke, I was going there, well, I still did drink a bit, but I was going there mainly to dance instead of smoke. And I started going to the beach during the day instead of going to pubs to play pool and smoke. And by the end of about six months, I was down to one cigarette a day, that one on the balcony in the late afternoon. That was the hardest one to give up because I had this positive ritual and feeling of me time, but I made the decision to stop and do something else at this time. And voila, the habit was gone. Sure, I had some cravings for a while. If I smelled cigarette smoke, I thought, oh, I want to have that. Or sometimes I'd be in a certain situation and think, maybe I'll just have one. But it was easier to ride those cravings out once I got to that stage because I'd put in so much effort and I didn't want to fall backwards from there. So as you can see, more complex habits take longer to break or form and might be more involved. 
With smoking, some people go for substitution, like they swap their cigarettes for gum or lollies. But for me, I just wanted to break the habit and rewire all of the different areas of my life rather than just swapping one vice for another and mindlessly keeping doing that thing. I knew it was a lot deeper and I had to solve other things like self-confidence and friendships and all sorts of other parts of my life. So I preferred to take that path. Now let's talk about some of the other things that affect how long it takes to form a habit before we get to the research. Firstly, what type of person are you? Complexity aside, your ability to change behaviours comes down to the type of person you are. If you're someone who's motivated, focused and achievement oriented and proactive, it's probably going to be easier for you to form a new habit or break a bad habit. Now this isn't about willpower, it's about willingness. It's about your ability to set and achieve goals. If you're better at that, it's probably going to be easier and faster. Also, some people have more addictive, addictive personalities, and I know that I'm one of these. Several years ago, I had a genetic test, a blood test, to look into my disease risk factors based on my genotype. And funnily enough, that test came back saying that I had a risk of addictions that might contribute to my disease risk factors. So I knew that things like smoking or drinking alcohol or other things could potentially become addictive for me. That obviously makes it a bit harder to give things up, but it could also make it easier to start new things as well. Look at the flossing that I started, that became addictive. So you could make that work for you rather than against you. There are also some people who like putting others first, even at their own expense. And if you're always doing things for other people at your own expense, it can get in the way of you forming new habits. So these are some things about you and your personality that might affect your ability to start new behaviours and form new habits. And it might affect how long it takes you to do that. If other people are throwing you off track or if you're not fully committed, then it could be more difficult. The next thing to think about, and I think this is super important, is what is your life situation? This impacts your ability to form a habit and the rate at which it happens. Why? Well, because making change is hard. It requires a lot of focus and energy from your brain. And brains like taking the easy, low-cost, low-effort route, let's face it. So that means if your life situation is busy, overwhelming, stressful, painful, difficult, or involves major shifts or even crises, forming a new habit might be difficult, not just in terms of starting, but in persisting. And that's because if you're stressed and have a lot going on, it's easy for your brain to do what it knows how to do already, or it's easy for your brain not to create the time and energy and focus on creating a new behavior because it's got other things to worry about and it's going to preferentially put its resources there. So the best time to form a new habit is when there's not much stress in your life, when things are on an even keel and when there aren't many perceived pressures. Now, of course, this isn't always possible, but at least you can clear the decks temporarily to make some time and energy to focus on doing something new or doing something different. And we'll talk about the amount of time soon. So in other words, the less stress you have, I believe the faster and easier change will be. And this is where working with a coach can be helpful because they help you to make the time and create the focus and clear the decks so that you have enough brain power 
of forming a habit and obviously not too many habits at once. Next, what is your mindset? It's kind of a critical piece of the puzzle. You might have heard me say earlier in this episode when I talked about teeth flossing and giving up smoking that I had decided to do it. And after 13 years of coaching, I can say that the majority of my clients use similar words. They say that they have decided or they're finally in the right headspace or they're really ready. There's determination in those words. And to be successful and persist for long enough so that you can form an automate a habit, you need to have a good enough reason that's meaningful for you because this is your motivator to keep going. So it's making that decision and having a strong motivator. That mindset, at least in the beginning, is important for you to even get started. Your motivation might wane, but that's where your identity and your standards of behaviour you set for yourself step in because willpower is finite and you can't rely on that. So now let's look at the research. What does the research say about how long it takes to form habits? I've given you a lot of backstory before talking about the research because that backstory really sets the scene for what I'm about to share with you. There was a paper released in 2009 by Philippa Lally and other authors, and that was published in the European Journal of Social Psychology. Their study involved 96 volunteers over 12 weeks, and those volunteers chose an eating, drinking, or activity behaviour that they'd carry out each day in the same context, for example, after breakfast. Now, the time it took to form the habit and for it to become largely automatic was in the range of 18 days right up to 254 days. So obviously some people went longer than the 12 weeks. The average time to form a habit was 66 days, which is nine and a half weeks. That's a huge range. And obviously the complexities that I talked about earlier, the individual biases and influencing factors are going to affect the time frame. It's known that behaviour is more likely to become habitual when you do it frequently and consistently in the same context. For example, my teeth flossing example where I did it at the same time every day. And this study found that a habit could be formed and become automatic with that consistency, but it didn't matter if you missed a few times, which is a critical piece. More recently, a longitudinal field study in the Netherlands looked at how self-control capacity, your ability to self-control or willpower, affected the development of habits over a period of 90 days. And guess what? Contrary to what you'd think, self-control didn't seem to affect the habit formation process at all. It simply showed that we need to do more research on the factors that create sticky habits or ones that persist. So what are those factors? If you don't need to have self-control or a lot of it, if, you, if willpower is not so critical, then what makes it easier to form a habit and to do it faster and to make it automatic? Well, firstly, you've got to know that habit strength increases steeply at first and then levels off into a plateau. So it's that honeymoon period. You're exciting at the beginning and setting a good foundation up in the early stages of a new behaviour is really important. Secondly, the more often you do that behaviour, the quicker the habit forms. So doing something every day or four or five times a week 
means that the habit will happen quicker than if you do it once a fortnight. Now, you need to be realistic when setting goals. You might not be ready to do something five times a week, but it's important perhaps to scale up fairly quickly within a few weeks so that you get that consistency in the behaviour, or at least at the same in the same context. Thirdly, the more inherently rewarding the behaviour, the easier it is to form a habit. For me, the teeth flossing reward was... Um, well, the, the reward for not doing it was that I didn't have to do something I didn't like. But I realised there are other benefits and then my rewards became different. They were a sense of achievement, clean teeth, a feeling of maintaining what the dentist had done and fewer cavities. So that was important for me. Also, the study showed that if the environment is comfortable and there are no threats or obstacles, then habit formation is easier. That speaks to what I mentioned earlier about clearing the decks and trying to make habits when you are mentally ready and you don't have a lot of stresses or overwhelm in your life. To me, these findings of the longitudinal study in 2020 back up my experience both with my own habits and with my clients. I think the recipe for success in creating habits faster seems to lie in the goal setting process and the situational context. If you clear decks and make time, set very specific goals around behaviours that are rewarding to you and you commit to doing them frequently, you'll more likely succeed and that's where having the support of a coach will probably help you get there and faster. So to wrap up today's episode, we talked about how long it takes to form a habit and we covered some of the factors that influence the timing and ease of habit formation. There's a lot of scope for future research in the area and the most recent studies have shown that your capacity for self-control or willpower is not critical to the process. So there's a big few for all of you that think it's all about willpower. It's not. Rather, that intrinsic reward, how often you do it, how committed you are, your environment and lack of obstacles, and in my experience, your situation, mindset and personality might all play a role in the timing. I hope you found that interesting. Remember, it's a minimum of 18 days or as many as 265, average of 66. That's a good guideline for getting started. If you want help with habit formation of any kind, reach out and hit me up on my contact page. Otherwise, if you like this episode, please subscribe to the channel you're listening on. Thanks for being here and I'll see you next time. Bye for now.